What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian, and I'm joined with Nick. What's going on, guys? All right, so um, I feel like this is going to be semi-football-related. It's, like, football-focused. Football, yeah. football news this week. So um, we'll start with baseball and then just go from there. Um, so we're doing it a little later this week for our podcast, so it seems like it's been a while, but... Dylan Patances, which happened much earlier last week, signed with the Mets. Um, big news for Mets fans. Um, we've been looking for a bullpen arm since the beginning of uh, the offseason. Obviously, last season, our bullpen was our the reason that we didn't make the playoffs. They ended up having 86 wins, and I mean... I don't remember the exact standings, but four more wins to get to 90 wins would have put them in a very good spot. And their bullpen, specifically Edwin Diaz, was a majority reason that they didn't have those four other wins. Um, now they have Don Batances, who was a very smart gamble, in my opinion, for the Mets to make. Um, he only cost them $10.5 million, and Don Batances has the opportunity to be an elite uh, bullpen arm. Uh, this is like this type of contract is one of those contracts where he wants to show that he's still the type of player he was before he had his big injuries last season and in the future get to sign a larger deal with another team and I think the Mets took good advantage of that opportunity that they have and now with Don Batansis, um if everything goes right which is 100% not going to go right but let's just say it is um the Mets could end up having one of the best bullpens in the league with Don Patances, Edwin Diaz. Hopefully he has a bounce back season. Then we have Seth Lugo and either Waka or Porcello. So some good names to have in the bullpen. Um, from there, uh, who should I? Oh, yeah. Hinjun Ryu signed with the Blue Jays. Um, I talked about this on one of our lives, one of the Sport Universe lives. Um that I feel that I can't really say 100% that I trust that Ryu is going to be the same player he was last year. His previous seasons, to compared to last year, haven't been very close to the type of year he did have last season. And I feel that I can't say for sure that he's going to be the stud for the Blue Jays that Blue Jay, Blue Jay fans are obviously hoping for. I, he would have been a player that I would have liked the Mets to sign, but I, either way, I wouldn't 100% believe that he's going to be that same player for the Blue Jays. Any comments on that, Nick? Um, no comments on Ryu, but I do have some on Dylan Batanzas. Okay. Uh, just before we move on, I just wanted to say that Dylan Batanzas, I think it was a good signing for the Mets, but I also think it's a good signing for the Yankees, and here's why. Uh, Don Batanzas, he's made it very clear that he wants to play in New York. He really he loves New York. It's where he grew up. That's where he's always played baseball. Even when he used to going through the minor leagues, he's always been in New York. So I really don't think he was going to sign anywhere else but New York, especially with the type of year that, you, as you described, he's trying to have a comeback year, yeah. a year where he, he can prove that he's still the player he once was. And New York is a perfect place for him to do it. But the fact that it is one year allows Zink to scoop him back up later, mm-hmm. you know, next year, which would be, which would be nice because I think he is going to be the player that he still was. Mm-hmm. Um, right now the Yankees have all this Chapman and he's, he's aging very quickly. He's 36 years old. I think he's turning 37, uh, quite soon. So he's not going to be around for too much longer. The Yankees have him on a three-year deal. I think this gives time, uh, the Yankees time to shop, uh, Chapman around and see what they could do with him see what kind of value they can get out of him. And then maybe re-sign Del Batanzas, you know, not, not re-signing Del Batanzas. Number one, the Yankees don't really need two primary closers. It doesn't really benefit the Yankees too much. They have yeah. more trouble in the starting pitching rather than relieving. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, I also think the Yankees need to figure out how to allocate their money. As as we know, and I've discussed, they signed Garrett Cole, so they need to figure out, you know, how, how are they going to spend uh, their money in terms of who, who they have on the team now and, and future contracts. This should give the Yankees a little bit, you know, not having an extra $10 million on the salary gives the Yankees a little more freedom and room, room to, like, uh, you know, change contracts and, and whatever they need to do. So I, th- I think this is really beneficial for the Yankees, as well as the Mets get a really talented pitcher for, or for a cheap price. So I think it, it was a really good signing for all of baseball, especially, you know, for New York. So that's my little piece on Del Batanzas. Yeah, um, I agree with you uh, with that. It would be – the Yankees have a history of doing that. Well, 
not signing, but they did the same thing with Aroldis Chapman before, right? They traded him to the Cubs mm-hmm. and then re-signed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, from there, I wanted to talk about just a little bit about the free agents that are still out there that could have very big impacts for the teams that signed him, signed them. Um, first off, Alex Wood, he's was a pitcher for the Reds. He was involved in the Yasiel Puig trade with the Dodgers and the Reds a couple years back. And he was supposed to be a very good, uh, I think he's left-handed, left-handed young pitcher. Um, last year he had uh, back injuries and he only ended up playing seven games and had a 5.8 ERA. But prior to that, that season, he had uh, years with 2.72 ERA, 3.68 ERA. And to go along with that, that he's 28 years old, he's getting into those years where like pitchers do extremely well. And I feel that last season was a fluke for him. And coming from that, he's going to be very impactful. Obviously, hoping that the back injury doesn't have a severe impact on him, which I don't think it will. He kind of reminds me of a Zach Wheeler type. And the reason Zach Wheeler is so impressive right now is that he's young and Alex Wood's even younger. So I I feel that he could have a very big impact on a team. Um, from there, Josh Donaldson, still a free agent, which I was surprised about because I feel like there was something that he was signing with another team, but I guess that didn't happen. I could be off with that. But last season, similar to Dylan Patances, he signed a contract with the Braves to prove that he was still the player that he was in the past, and he definitely proved that he hit 37 home runs, 94 RBIs, and a 259 batting average. Great numbers for him coming off the season that he had before that. And he will definitely be a huge impact for whatever team that signs him and a big power bat, which is something that all teams want now. Um, I guess a different type of player, Kevin Pillar. Um, for those that don't know, he used to be on the Blue Jays. He's known for great defense, um, but last year he had a pretty good uh, hitting year. 21 home runs, 87 RBIs, 264 batting average, and he's also only 30 years old. Interesting, last year he was DFA'd by the Blue Jays, and then the Giants picked him up, and he had a really good season for them. So, another good player. Uh, Marcelo Zuna um, used to be on the Marlins, obviously, and then he went to the Cardinals. Had a really, had a breakout year, his first year with the Cardinals, or his last year with the Marlins, I forgot what it was. And last year he kind of struggled, um, but I expect him to be to make a comeback the uh, this next year. I think he got too into the home run ball last year, and that kind of made everything else suffer for him. Uh, from there, last player, Will Harris, uh, bullpen arm. He's getting up there in age. He's 35 years old, but he's been a bullpen. I've talked about a lot how bullpen arms are volatile, and they never seem to have good, like, put back-to-back good seasons together, but he always really does um, some of his past ERAs. He had a 1.5 ERA last year, then a 3.49 ERA, 2.98, 2.35, 1.9. So he seems to be uh, always be a good bullpen arm for any team that signs him. So definitely an interesting player to look at. Um, From there, we'll go into foot. Well, Nick, do you have anything about that? Uh, Not really. I don't know. I just think it's interesting that Josh Allenson's still a pretty prominent figure because the last time I really, truly followed teams – Outside of like the Yankees, yeah, uh, was like Josh Donaldson was one of the upcoming third basemen that was really good for, for the, the Blue Jays, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's all I got. Okay, <laughs> from there we'll go into football. So Nick, you can take it. All right. So going into football this week, uh, essentially all the games really don't matter this week. Yeah, uh, it just affects draft order and who's in the playoffs versus who is not. So. I guess I'll start off with draft order since there's not as much there yet. You know, that'll come post-playoffs. We'll get into, like, who's where. Uh, I think it's, that's a better time to do it. Um, so looking at the, the draft order, I'll go through the top the top 10 or, I guess, top 15 picks going into next year's draft. Uh, number one, we have Cincinnati. They're probably going to pick a quarterback there with Joe Burrow. Uh, number two, uh, Redskins, uh, Washington, probably going to get uh, Chase Young. And then from there on out, it's kind of uh, a gamble of who's going to pick where who's going to pick who because there's trades of the day of and before. So uh, three, we have Detroit, four Giants, five Miami, six Chargers, seven Carolina, 
8 Arizona, 9 Jacksonville, 10 Cleveland, 11 Jets, 12 the Las Vegas Raiders, which seems interesting. Oh, yeah. I saw that, and I'm like, they're moving to Las Vegas. It's kind of, you kind of forget about that, but yeah, yeah the Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> um, 13 Indianapolis Colts, 14 Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers, and 15 Denver. I think just looking at this uh, this draft order right here, I think it's going to be really interesting to see, number one, what Miami does, because they need a ton of talent on that team. It's, yeah. it, people are just saying that they're going to lean to draft quarterback again. And it's just like you traded for Josh Rosen, and I feel like you've given him a small chance, but you really haven't put him in there for for a significant time. I really think you need to put him in there for a lot of games in a row to see really see what you got there. Yeah. Rather than just put him in for half a game, he does bad, pull him out, he does good, keep him in for the entire – like, he needs consistency. Yeah. Um, beyond that, I think it should be interesting to see what Tampa Bay does at 14. Um, a lot of good quarterbacks in this draft. I think they might go with one there, especially Bruce Arians. I don't know if you guys heard the other day, but he hinted at the fact that if they won this many games with, with uh, James Winston, who threw 30 interceptions, 30 touchdowns this year, which is an incredible ratio, 30 <laughs> interceptions in 16 games is ridiculous. Thirty that's, that's almost two interceptions a game. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> um, and if you can win, I think they won seven games this year with, 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 30, with two interceptions in each game. So if they can win with that, if they put it any, any, somebody better out there, they can win more games. So I think looking at 14, Tampa Bay is going to be an interesting team. They might trade up to get a, a better quarterback. Um, Jacob Eason might be an interesting guy to look at. Um, possibly Jalen Hurts. I'm just thinking of talent that's going to fall into them okay. rather than – because Joe Burrow is going to be off the board at that point. I can guarantee you that. The teams that slightly need a – like Carolina might go Joe, Joe Burrow at 70 if he's there. Huh. Um, you know – if five Miami would die, I would, even though they have Josh Rosen, if, if Joe Burrow fell to five, which I, I there's no way Cincinnati would be stupid to not draft Joe Burrow. It, he, he's just that good of a talent. Um, we'll get him into him later, but if he didn't, if he didn't get drafted there, they'd be stupid for that. Um, I guess I don't want to speculate too much because the draft is pretty far away and there's, there's a lot of talent moving around. I will get into to who's at, who's declared for the draft already. Uh, once we get into college football, but that's your that's the draft rundown for for this week um moving on from that we have our teams that are in the playoffs so going into the playoffs uh the teams are as stands we have the new england patriots the tennessee titans the houston texans buffalo bills the new orleans saints minnesota vikings philadelphia eagles seattle seahawks baltimore ravens kansas city chiefs san francisco 49ers and the green bay uh Packers. Oh my god, I don't know why I played that on Packers there. Um, so going into our matchups, uh, the first round buys are going to be held by Green Bay, uh, for the 49ers, Kansas City, and Baltimore. And our wild card round is going to consist of New England versus Tennessee, Houston versus Buffalo, New Orleans versus Minnesota, Philadelphia versus Seattle. Um, I guess I'm going to start off just by power ranking the, the, these teams going into the playoffs and just seeing where we can go from there. Um, I'd say in the last seed, I'm probably going to have to put, hmm, just looking at the talent here, I'm probably going to go with Philadelphia. Yeah. Even though they have a lot of good heart and Carson Wentz is really talented. And I also feel like Doug Peterson is ve- is a very good coach, especially in the playoffs. We've seen him take Nick Foles to the Super Bowl and win it against the Patriots, right? So I think that that's in place there. But the amount of sheer injuries they have and, and the lack of talent they've had in their secondary this year as well as, as, well as injuries compiling top of that i really do there's no way that they're gonna beat the, the seattle at number five or there's no way they're gonna beat seattle in the wild card round so they're probably my bottom rank team what do you what do you think what do you say about that brian i think i'd have to agree with you on the eagles i think i don't know about my opinion on Wentz. still i guess i suffer from not watching them all the time obviously mm-hmm. but I don't know if I can completely trust him. I don't know, but I, I definitely agree trust, with that. I mean, if you look at this statistically, he has one of the, I think he has either top two or number one uh, most drop passes in the NFL. Uh, yeah, that is. So that's one thing. Um, I'd have to say, if you look at him on film, it's pretty clear that he's very talented. Okay. The throws that he makes, he, he's put the Eagles on his back plenty of times this season. In my opinion, he, if he gets receivers that not only injured but also give – give him some talent. He is still the MVP self that he was. He's very talented. Let me pull up the NFC playoff picture. 
Uh-huh. Um, I guess going on from that, my so there's 12 teams in the playoffs, just to preface it that. Uh, i probably put Philadelphia at 12. Moving to 11, I'm probably going to have to put, um, I guess, the Houston Texans there. I think Deshaun Watson is talented, but they kind of suffer from the same things that uh, the Eagles have. I do think that Houston doesn't have a strong secondary. Their defensive line has some holes in it, but J.J. Watt is coming back this week, so that should be interesting to see how he plays and how he impacts the game. But I just don't – I think Houston's lacking on the talent in terms of – their offensive line hasn't been great this year. Their run game hasn't been great this year. DeAndre Hopkins, he's been good this year, but he hasn't been as quite as good as he was last year. Deshaun Watson stepped up his game, so that's really what's pulling the, their team together here. So I think they're similar to the Eagles, where they have strong quarterback play, but I also think that they don't have enough talent to get over the, that. That I think the coaching is is above average, um, but I also think that Houston really doesn't have the talent, especially in their secondary and and their offensive line, defensive line, outside of JJ Watt. Like they really linebacker core, you know, go, going through those positions that they don't have the talent to really compete. Um, I would say that Buffalo. I would I would favorite Buffalo to upset Houston in in that wild card slot, uh, and I'd put Houston at eleven. Yeah. What about the Titans though? Um. So I'd probably put the Titans next. Okay. And it, I, here's the thing. I, I want to say, going on from there, my next ranked team is probably. And here's here's a shocker to a lot of people, right? This is, is going to be a good one. I'm probably so we've done we've done twelve. We've done eleven. Power ranking, I'm going to put the Seattle Seahawks next. Okay. And here's why. Seattle Seahawks have struggled very heavily as of late. Their mm-hmm. defensive line behind you, Davion Clowney, has been all right, but it hasn't been exceptional. Their secondary hasn't been great. It hasn't been exceptional either. They've been you know, average at best. They just lost Bobby Wagner. He's definitely out for this game, if not the season. I forget they were looking at him for a torn Achilles or something along those lines. And Seattle... They're plateauing at the wrong time. Mm. They were at a peak, I want to say, mid to late year. And since then, I want to say in the past three, four games, they've really dropped off and they've struggled. And they're struggling at the wrong time going into the playoffs. That's true. I think that Russell Wilson's really talented. I think their offensive line is one of the worst in the NFL, and that's really hurting them. As well as I said, their defense has, has suffered injuries, as well as the talent there is not that strong. Hmm. Um, I think Pete Carroll's a great coach. I just don't think they're in the right situation right now, and they're plateauing at the wrong time. So that's why I put them in number 10. Okay, that's interesting. Um, moving on from that, I probably put Buffalo at 9. Uh, Buffalo, really talented team, really young. Uh, I think the coaching has been pretty good this year. They're a team that, that's blossoming, and I think that, that, in my opinion, with the way that the Patriots have, have sculpted themselves out this year, um, we'll have to see what Tom Brady does and Belichick does, because, again, you can never count them out. But I would say that Buffalo, I would favor them to, to win out their division next year. Just, just because of how, how they're how they're growing, yeah. um, but at the same time, I don't think they have as much talent as the other teams, nor nor as they are as hot as a team that I'm gonna put next. Um, and then the next team I would put next, so Buffalo at nine, I'd probably put Tennessee at eight. Tennessee is extremely hot right now. They've won seven of their last ten. Ryan Tannehill has been great. Their running game has been exceptional. Like they may not have the talent that the other teams do, but they are just so hot right now. And the, what they're putting together, especially late in the season. Is really something to look at, and I think it's going to carry into the playoffs. That they could upset New England in the first round. I'm going to say probably not. I would definitely favor New England in that matchup, but I think that is a possibility of an upset right there. Um, so th- those are those are my top eight teams right there, and I also think that the top, the, I mean the bottom eight teams yeah. rather. I think the bottom eight teams are. I think there's a good gap between the bottom eight teams and the top eight teams. Um. So, uh, moving on from that, uh, number seven, I'm probably going to do the Minnesota Vikings. I think that Kirk Cousins and the Vikings have been really hot as of lately. They have one of the best talent. They have one of the most talented rosters from top to bottom in the entire league. But I do think that they've suffered. I don't. I really couldn't tell you what the issue is. I think they have good coaching. They have good talent. They really just haven't been able to put it all together into one piece, and they, they've struggled. Um, it should be interesting to see how they do. They're going against New Orleans, and I think that New Orleans is really. This is not a team they're going to beat. New Orleans is just is too good for them in this matchup, and I think New Orleans will come out on top. So Minnesota is going to be at my eight, eight or seven spot. Um, so Philadelphia twelve. I have who do I have at eleven? I think I had Houston at eleven, and then I had uh, Seattle at ten, Buffalo at nine, 
Tennessee at eight. So, and then I have Minnesota at seven. Uh, moving on to my sixth ranked team, I'd probably go with the Green Bay Packers. I think that they've won a lot of games this year. Coaching's good. Aaron Rodgers is good. I just don't think the team has enough talent. Uh, again, like I think the talent is, is really going to be the key here. I think their defense has really held out this year. I think they're slightly above average. Um, but I, I don't think that the Packers' running game has been too exceptional this year. And I think uh, going into the, into the deep, because I think obviously they got the first round by. So I think going into that second matchup, they'll probably win out because they're going to go either go against Philadelphia or Seattle. And I don't think either of those teams are good enough to beat Packers. But I like I, the way I'm power ranking these teams is like likelihood to win the Super Bowl, and I do not yeah. see the Packers winning the Super Bowl there. Um, moving on from that, um, so that was seven. Was that seven? That was six. Six, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to my five slot, I'm probably going to put the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I think they've been pretty good this year. Their offense hasn't been as quite explosive as last year, and their defense hasn't really held out. They, they slipped in front uh, of the Patriots, but I do think at some point their, their lack of um, lack of talent and lack of ability to produce on defense is going to come back to bite them at some point in the playoffs, and I think that's why they're, I'm going to put them at five. Uh, moving on to four, I'm probably going to have New England. New England's offense has been pretty terrible this year. Uh, their defense has slowed down since the beginning of the season. Although they still are an elite team, they went 12-4, and four, and it's still Tom Brady and it's still Bill Belichick, so you can never count them out. But I'd have them at four. You know, there's less to talk about once these teams get better. Um, at number three, I'm probably going to have San Francisco. I think they're a really hot team, really well coached, but I still think they are a little bit young. Um, I think they do have some good talent on that roster. So you know, this, my top three teams, any I think any three of these teams can win the Super Bowl. It's really a toss-up. Uh, moving on from there, I'm probably going to have Baltimore, the Baltimore Ravens at two. Really talented team. They won 14-2 this year. They're still, I'd say they're, they have a good mix of veteran leadership and talent. I just think that my number one team is gonna out, is gonna outpace them in the long run, and that is the New Orleans Saints. I have them as my number one team to win the playoff, to win the Super Bowl this year. I think that they have the most veteran leadership. They have the coaching. They have players that that'll really come through in the clutch. I think players like Taysom Hill really make a difference. Where you could have players that that perform really well in special teams and are also be able to utilize in different ways. Like those players, when you're in really difficult spots, come out and come out and shine big. Um, so again, they have veteran leadership. They have they have a good amount of talent. They have the right coaching. They have the right set of players. Um, I think that Drew Brees being injured, I guess, I guess it, I'd say it probably keeps him a little bit fresher down the stretch because he hadn't played in, in quite some time. Um, so, you know, teams that have Jimmy Garoppolo playing the entire year and uh, Patrick Mahomes got banged up pretty badly, but I think he's been back for a while now. Um, so that would be... Um, that'll be my power rankings. So what I expect is going to be a New Orleans, Baltimore Super Bowl. And I'd probably say New Orleans wins it out by less than seven points. Definitely a close game. Mm-hmm. So that would be my playoff rundown. Um, Brian, do you have any comments, questions, yeah. concerns? Um, <laughs> I, I, I think the Ravens are going to come out of the AFC for, if I'm just totally not basing it off statistics in any way, any type of analysis, I always have a lot of confidence in the Seahawks when it's Russell Wilson. Um, but that's completely not based off anything you said because I'm just, like, going with gut there. But if I was actually basing it off stuff, I'd probably say the Saints as well. Um, I think that, like you said, they have, like, everything going for them. And I think the same is true with the Ravens, too. Um, that's all of you, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, Seattle's running game has been pretty terrible this year, but they did sign Robert Turbin and Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. I don't know what you make of that. They're they're both pretty old running backs, and I really – the media kind of hyped it up like, oh, Marshawn Lynch is returning, Robert Turbin's returning, so they might be able to build their running back game back up. But the, these guys are shells of their former selves. Yeah. They're not going to be able to produce down the stretch. I think that it's a good thing they're getting signed really close to playoff time because if they were to play the entire season, they'd be really banged up and they yeah. wouldn't get the same production. The fact that they are signed pretty late, you may get some good production out of them, but I don't think either of them are going to be game-changing in some way. Mm, yeah. I'd say Marshawn Lynch has more of a chance because he's, he's beast mode, right? But I, I really don't think it's going to solve their uh, their running game like that in the snap of a finger. Yeah. It's more of an offensive line issue than a, a back issue. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, 
Yeah, moving. You can go ahead. Okay. Uh, moving, I guess, off of playoffs. Uh, there were some other topics I wanted to bring up that's just, like, I guess, looking into next season. For me, specifically, the Jets. So, they ended their season on a 6-2 and two, um, record, which holds some type of... I think... I don't know. I'm not even going to say it. Um, but, to me, that... Sh- I don't... I think it definitely sheds light on the talent that the, that the team has. Um, I don't think it sheds light on anything of Adam Gase, which I'll get into because I continuously don't understand how we picked him as our head coach. Um, I think, like I said a while back, the end of the season, I like to focus on the young players on the team to see how they played. And for me, there were some games that Sam Donald did struggle, but he seemed to have a better second half than the first half. Obviously, his first half was a majority mono, so he was out. And I think he was able to recover towards the second half of the season, which is nice to see. Um, Jamal Adams is Jamal Adams, which he's good. Um, from there, I wanted to discuss the Adam Gase and Le'Veon Bell continued. I don't even understand what it is. So I think it was yesterday. Adam Gase was asked about Le'Veon Bell's future with the team. And he said, um, you can ask Joe, referring to Joe Douglas, who's their GM. And then they asked, do you want him on your team? And he, and he said, you can ask Joe. I'm not the guy that makes personnel uh, changes. And I, I just, like, I don't understand how that makes any sense for a coach to say. No one is, like, I don't know if Adam Gates doesn't get this, but no one's on his side. Everyone's on anyone else's sides besides Adam Gates. I feel like he's, like, public enemy number one in Jets fandom. Um, what was I gonna say? I don't, like, I don't know how we picked him as our head coach. I don't know. Do you have any opinions on that? Uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. It, it's totally uncalled for. Look, it was known from the get-go when they hired Adam Gase that he didn't like Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Strictly because Adam Gase is, it, and this is like known about him, he's not in favor of spending large amounts of money for running backs because he thinks running backs are pretty expendable. Yeah. And I do think he has a fair point there that, you know, running backs are not really what they are unless they have a good offensive line behind them. So it's not worth paying Le'Veon Bell if you can't get a good offensive line to block for him. Um. Which I think was proven this season, right? The the Jets' offensive line wasn't that great, and Le'Veon Bell really wasn't. I wouldn't say he wasn't himself, but he wasn't able to get. You weren't able to get the production that you you should be yeah. able to get out of Le'Veon Bell with the money you paid for him. At the very exact same time, you can't go up there and just throw Le'Veon Bell under the water like that. So you, you, know, you you can be critical and also supportive in. in, in put out something along the lines of saying that you know what we paid him a lot of money but i think he i think he's on the right track we're on the same page here we're hoping i want to make that money we paid him worth it you know something like that you know acknowledging that we paid him a lot of money and we're not getting the production that we wanted but at the same time still showing him support because he's on the team right yeah um and and that's just a lie if you think coaches have almost all the say in the personnel changes because the coaches are the you know, in good NFL franchises, the coaches <laughs> decide who, who, who the personnel is because they're the ones creating the playbooks along with the the coordinators. So, yeah. Um, so I think it was just very uncalled for Adam Gase. He stirs up drama. There was no need. Um, and I also think that the Jets ending their six to two record. All it means is that Adam Gase gets another gets another uh, year as a head coach, and they get a they get a worse draft pick. That's true. Uh, it really, I, I'd probably say it hurts the Jets in the long run, but it is good. As I said in, in past podcasts, it is a good thing that they can win with the with the talent that they have on the roster because they did, you know, spend a lot in the offseason to bring talent onto the roster. So ending six and two is is a good sign. I think if you draft right and again if you found the right head coach, I still don't think it's Adam Gase. You'd, you'd have a good team there. Yeah. Um. I guess that's it. I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to talk about NFL wise? Um. So we have. You you put it down. We're going off the outline. Yeah, uh, I will know. Antonio Brown ever get a job? Do you want to talk? I about think. That? Okay, he can go. Um, sure. I'll just say that he's not getting a job this season. It's it's going to be at the beginning of next season. No yeah. team wants to. No playoff team's going to sign him th- this late in the season. They don't want the drama going heading into the playoffs. I think once all the media boils over him and everyone forgets him in the off season, he probably will find a job at some point early next season. Yeah. If not in the off season, uh, he's still like with what he said about the Saints today. Like, just stop using social media. At the, like, I, I agree. Does he not have a manager that controls him <laughs> a little bit? 
he posted hashtag no more white women on 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 Instagram, and I'm, I just I don't know what that means or like what it's from. Like why are we <laughs> posting that? At least get some background to why you're saying it. Like you can't just put that out there. Leave everyone in the dark. Uh, I don't, like, I don't go, he's starting a music career now. Of course he is. He's doing he's doing rap, and he like met this female. He's constantly posting pictures with, and I don't know who she is. But apparently, she's a music artist. Great. Um. <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with Antonio Brown. Uh, yeah. Moving on from that, yeah. the last thing that is addressed in the NFL is just some coach firings. Which I did talk about it on our YouTube, yeah. at, uh, our YouTube rather, Thanks our yeah. Instagram. I did a POV on it at the dot universe oh, on yeah. Instagram. Yeah. yeah, I memorize that now. Sure. Um, just going into it a little bit. Uh, so teams that currently need head coaches are going to be the Redskins, who fired uh, Jay Gruden, John Gruden, Jay Gruden. I, Jay Gruden. I always, I can never forget the first. I know one of them coaches the Raiders, and one of them coached yeah. the Redskins. It's Jay Gruden, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they fired Jay Gruden early in the season. They just fired Bruce Allen a couple days ago. So the Redskins really need some some changes from organi- or organizational changes from the top down. Um. And I think apparently the rumor is, and it hasn't really been officially announced yet, but it's pretty said and done. Redskins uh, hired Ron Rivera on a five-year contract. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really good signing for the Redskins. I think Ron Rivera is a really good coach. It just didn't work out with the Panthers. I really couldn't tell you what the overall, you know, the underlying issue is there to really why he got fired. Yeah. Um, so I think them signing Ron Rivera is a good signing for them. Uh, next is the Giants. They fired Pat Shermer after nine and twenty-three tenure with the team. Uh, it seems that he really couldn't handle the head coach things that come along with the head coach. I think he's a good offensive coordinator, and he will find a job. I, I just, I'm literally going word for word, but I said it on, on the POV. But um, he's going to find a job elsewhere. He's a good offensive coordinator. He'll find a job. The Giants did retain Dave Gettleman because he, he he's I think he's a solid GM. I think he's not he's not perfect, but who is? Um, you know, think about all the talent he's brought to the Panthers, and he's brought some good talent to the Giants, right? He drafted Daniel Jones when everyone thought that he was going to be terrible. He That's turned right. out pretty good. Uh, Saquon Barkley, um, I think Will Hernandez has been an all right offensive lineman. Like, he hasn't been perfect, but he's brought some good, especially, like, I'd say he's a lot better at drafting special uh, specialty players rather than, like, line and D-line. Yeah. As as shows uh, Christian McCaffrey, you know, I can, uh, I can go on and yeah. on, but... Um, and then the, moving on to the Browns, the Browns fired Freddie Kitchens, um, which I think was expected. I think he wasn't good for the culture. I think the minute he put on the shirt that the Steelers started it, I think he it was his time right. to go. You can't have that. You need you need a personality. You need a head coach in the Browns that has a strict personality. That's all about the X's and O's. Somebody that can then that can uh, be a, a what is the word a combatant to the personalities that Baker Mayfield, Odell, and Jarvis Landry bring. Right, big personalities. You need somebody that's going to be all about the X's and O's, down to business. Somebody that can really put those guys in their place and, and really get them down to football. Um, which I think could be interesting if this happens. Which is is total guess in the dark. If the Lions were to fire Matt Patricia, which yeah. is a possibility because they haven't done well in the past, I think he could be a possible good fit for the Browns. Hmm. I, I think that Matt Patricia in, in a, on a team that has a lot of talent and that needs an X and O's guys, X and, X's and O's guys, he would be perfect for that slot. So I think the Browns, if he was, if the Lions were to fire him, I think the Browns would be smart to look into him. Um and the Browns also fired Jim, uh, John Dorsey today, which made no sense yeah. to me. John Dorsey has brought so much talent into that franchise, and I think it's a total mistake firing him. Apparently, that they're gonna. The only reason they really fired him is because the new coach that they want, they're gonna hire. They want him to be able to select the GM that he's gonna have. They really want to start fresh with their franchise, which I understand. But I think that they should hire a coach that's okay with having John Dorsey as their GM because J- John Dorsey has turned the Browns from an 0-16 team. To a team that has one of the most talented rosters from top to bottom, I think with the draft this year, if they really address their offensive line, they could really be that Super Bowl contender that people will kind of hype them up to be. I think that's where their giant weakness is because that would that would help Baker Mayfield and the entire offense. You know, I think hiring a good defensive coordinator or getting the defense right would just make that team in, into a really good team. So, not really sure why they fired him. I do think along like like Pat Shermer that John Dorsey will find a job elsewhere. He's too he's too good to not find another job. Uh, moving on from that, the only team without a without a coach right now, which is pretty obvious, is going to be the Panthers because they fired Ron Rivera. I think that's probably the best coaching uh, spot to go into right now. They have a ton of talent on that roster. They're in position to possibly draft a new quarterback. There's a lot of options. You could stick with Cam Newton. You could go and draft a new quarterback. They have Will Greer. 
you know, there's a lot of upside in terms of taking on the coaching role there. Um, so I think that anybody who goes into their that team, they, they have gone to Super Bowl as of recently in the past. It was like 2014, 2015. Now I forgot the year. So a lot of upside in going to coach the Panthers. I think a good coach will go there. Um, beyond that, in terms of coaches who haven't been fired yet, that have been rumored to get fired, won't be Matt Patricia for the Lions. Um, another one is going to be Doug Marone for the for the Jaguars. Um, I think that they want to keep him because um, I've, I've already talked about Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia has been really good X's and O's guy, really smart guy. It just seems like he's not great in terms of like uh, putting together all those roles that you need to take on as a head coach, and that seems to be the problem there. We'll have to see what the Lions do. Um, I think the Jaguars are holding on to Doug Marone simply because of uh, Gardner Minshew. They want to have a, a coach that yeah. can really help help uh, you know help him. I guess give him stability rather than have him learn a whole new system in the second year. And then the Cowboys are yet to fire Garrett, which is interesting. Um, it seems like they're not going to. I think they should. I mean, everyone knows about Jason Garrett. It, the, the Cowboys have had too talented of a roster, especially these past two years, to not get farther than he has in the playoffs. And he, I think he is a major issue. I think Jerry Jones is a major issue because Jerry Jones doesn't allow Jason Garrett to have the freedom that he wants with the team. But also Jason Garrett hasn't really helped in terms of what he's brought to the table, so I think they would be smart to fire him and bring somebody a little more innovative in, into the head coaching role there. Uh, so that, that's that's about it for the coaching situations. Do you have any comments, Brian? Um, no, I think you covered it all. All right. Uh, moving on. We have the NBA. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll talk. So, um, main thing I want to talk about, I think probably one of the main things that's going on in basketball is the whole Nixon-Mike Miller situation. So, I've talked the past two podcasts, I think, that I don't really think Mike Miller's uh, going to be a successful coach for the Knicks. But I think I might be a little bit wrong because looking at everything, stats... Any analysis you want to do, Mike Miller has done, um, uh, what is it called? Whatever. A hundred percent better job than David Fisdale has done as the coach for the Knicks, at least this season. Um, he's already won five, five games with the Knicks when, five games in 11, five wins in 11 games compared to David Fisdale only winning four and I think it was like 20 games. So obviously right there, much better. But one of the main stats that I that I think is really important and everyone else I would say thinks it's important too is how Julius Randle has done. Um, this week, uh, he played well enough that I think he deserved Eastern Conference Player of the Week, at least. Um, he's on... I think they're playing right now, but I could be wrong. Um, he's on three straight 30-point games. Some of his, his averages under... Mike Miller compared to David Fizdale are kind of eye-opening. He's averaging 22.6 points under Mike Miller, 9.6 rebounds, 48% field goal percentage, 36% three-point percentage. Under Fizdale, 16.8 points per game, 8.5 rebounds, 44% field goal percentage, and 24% three-point field goal percentage. I'm sure... I don't. I'm not one of those people that really understands different schemes in the NBA and stuff like that, but that has to be one of the main reasons that Julius Randle's playing better. And I think it also probably there's probably a large part to do deal with that he's getting used to New York. I'm sure, um, and once he has one good game, it's going to keep spiraling, compared to him having one bad game and that spirals out of control for him, which I think it did in the beginning of the season. Um. From there, for the Knicks, there's not much more to discuss on my end. Dennis Smith Jr. continues to struggle. Um, even though Mike Miller's doing a good job, I still think the Knicks are just in a state of unknown. They have no direction for any... They have no idea what they're doing. Um, no direction. It's a really sucky situation, but anything you want to add, Nick? Um... I'd say that yeah, Miller has been has been a better coach for the uh, for the Knicks. I think that the Knicks are now getting better use out of John, uh, Randall, which they really need to because they paid him a lot of money. Yeah. Um, before we hop off of NBA, I just wanted to talk maybe a little bit about trade rumors because trade rumors are starting to spiral around because cool. teams can start to trade now. 
Um, one of them involves the Knicks. Apparently, there's rumors that the Knicks might go after Carl Anthony Towns because he wants out of yeah. uh, Minnesota. I do think that would be a smart move if they did that. I think they should go for that. If you were to bundle, maybe um, I don't even know who you would bundle there, but as long as you keep RJ Barrett, and I don't know who else you would keep. Who, who else would be on Carvey Barrett and Mitchell Robinson? Those are kind of your untouchables. Yeah, I think that's that's what they've said that those are their two untouchables. I'd say like Kevin Knox uh, is dispensable for me. I don't see any reason for them keeping him. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I I do like Kevin Knox in terms of his ability, like what he could bring to a starting lineup that has a lot of talent on it. But I'm him as like right. the first go to option isn't really worth yeah. it. I'm trying to think of trade packages that they could do for. Because I'm just thinking, if let's so we're looking at the Knicks in the long term, right? If you were to draft, it's hard to say who we're gonna do, but I'm gonna say uh, Lamelo Ball, right? Yeah. I think he is he's that caliber of player. He's developed himself into that caliber of player. You're gonna have a six six point guard. You have R.J. Barrett, who is at least six seven, right? Six seven shooting guard. Kevin Knox, six eight small forward. You're gonna have a really tall, talented lineup that has a lot of versatility, and that could prove really well for the Knicks. If you were to bring in like Carl Anthony Towns and keep Mitchell Robinson and have them play, I'd, t- I'd probably play Cat at power forward since Mitchell mm-hmm. can't really stretch the floor out too too well. Um, I think that'd be a really tall, talented, and versatile lineup that you could you could probably do a lot with if you have the right coach in there. Yeah, the one thing with that is like. I feel like the Timberwolves are going to ask for that pick. Well, I'm saying if you could go maybe a future first-round pick. Yeah, the trade scenarios that I've seen, one of them was crazy. Trading the two picks they got for the Mavericks, their two next picks, plus a bunch of players for Carl Anthony Towns. I think Carl Anthony Towns is a great talent, but the thing that the Knicks always mess up on is trading their first-round picks. And they've actually done a good job of keeping them, even though... The talent hasn't been there. Which you haven't was, drafted well. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's worth it's worth trading. I guess that's my opinion. Yes, that is interesting. I guess I'm just hoping that they learn how to draft. Um. Yeah. They definitely have. I'm to saying be, maybe like a, a future first rounder, Julius Randle, and some I don't know who else, Dennis Smith Jr. Maybe. I I don't know if that's enough to get Towns though. Yeah, I'm saying you might have thrown some more there, but I'm yeah. just saying like that's the base of it. Wouldn't be too terrible. Uh, um, yeah, continue. Um, another big trade rumor, moving on from that, would be apparently the Rockets are looking to move Russell Westbrook. Yeah, could just that. be rumors, could just not be. I think it's just rumors. I think that Harden and Westbrook get along well together in terms of personality, and I think what Harden would probably be upset to see Russell Westbrook go. Me, personally, I like Russell Westbrook. I just... It just it seems like they're not working out. Although the the Rockets have a better record than they did at this point in the season last year, sure. I don't know. They just don't mix well. You, Harden's numbers are doing a little bit better than last year, but then at the same turn, Russell Westbrook's are doing a little bit worse than last year. So it's just it's very obvious that they can't work together, and that you, when you have them, you can't really have them both out on the floor at the same time because when Harden needs people, he can kick out to and shoot. And Russell Westbrook has been abysmal from the three this season. So they need to be on the on the floor at different times, and I think it'd be I don't know they just don't mix perfectly together. Well, I think the Rockets have time to develop, and I think they're, they're obviously going to be a playoff team with the amount of talent they have on the roster. I just hope that they can really work out the kinks going down the stretch of the season. Sure. I, I don't really I don't know who we'd get for Russell Westbrook that would be worth it. Uh-huh. So I guess that's that's the NBA for the week. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. We have the college stuff. That's what we have it under as our, as our outline. College stuff. Um, so a little bit of the college football playoffs. Um, big games for the week. We had LSU versus Oklahoma. LSU dominated Oklahoma with the score of sixty three to twenty nine. Final score, I believe, was the final score uh, twenty eight rather. Um, LSU put on on a clinic. Uh, quite an incredible game. Joe Burrow is the real deal. If you guys want to know more about it, you can go look at our Instagram at sport.universe, at d.sport.universe okay. on Instagram. I did a couple of POVs in there, typed out a bunch of little bit of stuff. Good stuff on there. Um, this is Jalen Hurts' last play, uh, last game as a college quarterback. He'll be entering the draft. Uh, Oklahoma City Lamb has entered the draft already. Um, yeah, LSU's the real deal, and they absolutely dominated Oklahoma. Uh, Joe Burrow had over 400 yards at halftime, and he had he had seven touchdowns at that point. And pretty much post half, 
the LSU took their their feet off the the pedal, and they're and they kind of let up on the gas, and they still scored two touchdowns on Oklahoma. So, pretty dominant game from LSU. On on the other hand, a little more exciting game. We had Ohio State versus Clemson. Uh, Clemson pulled it out twenty nine to twenty three in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was really on display in this game. He showed that not only is he an elite passer of the football, but he could also run the football uh, very well. Uh, Clemson proved that although they've gone thirteen zero pretty quietly this season, not playing on only playing unranked teams, they're still the same pro. They may not have the same personnel they had last year, that but they always still still the same program that destroyed Alabama in the title game last year. Uh, on Ohio State side, it seems that they broke down in the stretch down the stretch of the game. Um, just I think it was really highlighted by the last play of the game, where the play was set up, I guess, for the for the wide receiver to run a deep post, and he ran a he cut back from his deep post last second and ran like a deep corner or a deep out route, and Justin Fields, Ohio State's quarterback, threw to the deep post and nailed the safety right in the chest for the Clemson W. So I can't really tell you what it was. Ohio State obviously had the talent. I just think that maybe they weren't. They didn't have their heads in the game because Clemson was kind of underrated. Maybe the coaching isn't right where it needs to be. But Ohio State falls to Clemson. Now we're looking at draft picks. Um, the two biggest players from Ohio State. Justin Fields has yet to declare, but I'm sure he will. He'll declare for the draft. He'll be one of the top picks in the NFL draft. Definitely a first rounder. I think he was two for the Heisman Trophy. And then J.K. Dobbins, really talented running back for Ohio State. He's entering the draft. Um, here my, he's, he's another one of those Ohio State running backs like Ezekiel Elliott's just going to be – he's going to be a stud in the NFL for whoever drafts him. It's just I guess he's going to be drafted more on need than, than – he's not really – he's not Saquon Barkley, but he is one of those, those players that's going to be a guaranteed first-round draft pick, and he's going to bring – he's going to have an impact on the team that he, he goes to in the NFL. Um, looking at the title game coming up on Monday, January 12th, 13th, I think it's 13th, 8 o'clock um, on that night, should be a really good matchup. I think that Clemson, again, they're, they're a really good team. Any coach by any team coached by Davos Sweeney is going to be really good. Um, when you look at his track record, the Clemson has won their last 29 games in a row. And you can't really argue against that, even though they've played unranked teams. Twenty nine games in a row is twenty nine games in a row. Um, so that, that's that's what Clemson's bring, and they have Tre- Trevor Lawrence and and just a lot of talent on the team, and they're really disciplined. So that's what they're bringing to the table. LSU, one of the best college football teams we've ever seen. The, the, what they've done to Oklahoma is really no joke. To beat a team of the caliber of Oklahoma like they did in in, in the game that they did, um, it really tells you a lot about how good LSU is in terms of talent and discipline and how they've been coached. Joe Burrow is one of the best NFL uh, quarterback draft prospects that we've ever seen. He's very similar to 2012 Andrew Luck. Uh, Joe Burrow can throw on the run. He makes good reads. He knows his matchups. He can throw deep balls uh, in the money. He can hit tight windows that are that are similar to NFL situations. He's the real deal. He's really incredible. Um, if I had to make my prediction, which I've, I've done it on my Instagram, but I'm going to do it here now, I'm probably going to predict that LSU wins this game by at least 20 because that's more of a testament to how good LSU is and not how bad Clemson is. LSU is just on another level than any other college football team this year. And Joe Burrow's just so good. I really can't see LSU dropping this game. They're going to win by over 20, and that's my prediction. Brian, do you have any uh, any counter predictions? Uh, no, I, I can't even make an educated guess. <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a favorite team to win? I'll say LSU, but I'm not going to give an explanation because they don't have one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that's college football breakdown for the week. Um, in terms of college basketball, it's been more of a quiet uh, week this week because of you know the holidays. There hasn't been too many games played. Uh, conference play started this week. It's it's time to get down and dirty. No more uh, not, not nice gritty conference games. Everybody loves the conference half of the season. Um, looking at week nine, the AP poll was just dropped. I want to say it was dropped yesterday, Monday, because we're recording this on Tuesday. And we have a new number one, um, Gonzaga's, which I think happened week eight. Week nine kind of came in in one of those weird weeks because, again, there wasn't too many games played because of the holidays. Um, number one, we have Gonzaga. Two is Duke. Three is Kansas. Four, Oregon. Five, Ohio State. Six, Baylor. Seven, Louisville. Eight, Auburn. Nine, Memphis. Ten, Villanova. 
and 11 Butler because they're also in the Big East. So I'll mention them. Um, a lot of good teams in the top 10 right now. Um, I, I, in terms of who I think is really favorited, or like, there's no team that's really a super team this year that's really pulling out as the clear number one. Again, we've had, what, five or six rotations of the number one seed up until this point in the season, which is, I, would, I, I can't remember if it's a new record, but I can tell you that it's very unusual to have teams rotate this much in number ones. There's no team that's that dominant right now. Gonzaga, to me, is the clear number one at 14-1. and one. They've been really good as of late, so I think they're deserving of that number one spot. Uh, but we'll have to see. I doubt they'll hold on to it just because of how the season's going. We'll have to see what happens there. Uh, my game for the week that I chose... Uh, it's one of the ones that I watched last night. We had Seton Hall versus DePaul. In terms of the grand scheme of things, it's really not going to matter because neither of these teams is, is going to win the national championship, in my opinion. But I think it's important to see that Seton Hall, um, if anybody doesn't know him, it's Miles Powell. He is, I would say, the number two, number one college basketball player in, in the entire uh, college basketball, I don't know, you know, Division One programs. He, he's probably, I don't even call that league. Association. I don't even know what you'd call it, but he's the, he's the best college basketball player in the NCAA, uh, debatably. And he came back from concussion last night, and he put up 27 points. I think that Seton Hall really lacks on talent outside of Miles Powell, but Miles Powell is really that good. Uh, he, he could really bring them a long way. You know, If they won a national championship, it'd be because of Miles Powell and nobody else. Without Miles Powell, they're not even anywhere close to a natty. Um, I do expect, you know, looking at a really long-term look here, this is going to be Miles Powell last week, and it show, even shows you know him not playing for a couple weeks, coming back from injury. He's still able to put up really good points and really good numbers and carry Seton Hall to a, a victory over a 12-1 and DePaul. So I do think this is probably going to be his last year in the NCAA, and he probably will get drafted after this year. So he, he's one of those guys that I, he'll probably be a second rounder, will be a stud coming out of the second round because his name's just not really popping in, in the media right now. Um, he, I, honestly, he... he I'd probably correct that and say he is probably going to be predicted to be a number one, but I wouldn't be surprised if he fell to a number two just because his, his name isn't really popping in the media. Um, so that's the that's the college rundown for the week. Any comments, Brian? No. All right, all right. <laughs> uh, moving on to our final segment, we have the controversial topic, and this is one that I thought of after watching the Clemson-Ohio game, um, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, so if anybody doesn't know in the Clemson-Ohio game, one of the most crucial plays that happened in the game was, I can't remember the receiver, but, uh, Clemson caught, Clemson player caught the football, took three steps and then bobbled it and fumbled it. And Ohio State picked it up and scored a touchdown off of it. And after review, they ruled that it was an incomplete pass. And they said that he, it was, he never really had true possession of the ball. And thus so... Uh, it was it was a complete pass rather than a fumble. Now I find it interesting in the fact that if you, I guess you didn't, I, I'm assuming you haven't seen the play, Brian. No. Okay, so uh, a Clemson guy catches the ball. I can't remember what receiver it was, but just bear with me here, guys. Um, catches the ball, right? Yeah. After catching it, takes three steps. Yeah. And then the ball swatted out of his hands, and it's on the ground. Yeah, that's a fumble. Under football rules, three steps is technically a football move. Yeah. And that is a fumble, as you said. Yeah. The issue is, if you look at that replay, and here, here I'll tell you what my decision is in a second. His his entire three steps is literally him and the quarterback. Like, although he has technical possession of the ball, his entire three steps is him fighting for possession of the ball because the oh, quarterback is trying to rip it out the entire time. That's interesting. Yeah, so you'd have to look at the replay to really get a good grip of it. But in my opinion, I do think it was an incomplete pass, strictly because his entire three steps was not a football move. His three steps, if you look at it, his entire three steps is him trying to possess that ball, and he never has true possession as he was able – he got swatted out on the third step, right? So, again, the fact that he was trying his entire three steps to – gather possession of that ball is what makes me lean towards incomplete pass i do think at the end of the day this is an impossible call to make and is in the like the middle of the gray area in the rules of football so i just think it's a really interesting play and i do want to know what your uh your idea is of it and you could go look at the the highlight of it now if you're doing it right now um so i just think it's really interesting and i would love to hear what you guys think in the comments i I just think there's no there's no right answer 
That's interesting. Um, I just saw that. Yeah, I, I'm just like curious to what people think. What did you say? It, I would I would rule it incomplete pass just because all three steps were him trying to get, garner possession. Um, it was a really big play in the game, and it kind of changed the outco- outcome of the game because if, if Ohio State gets that touchdown, they win the game, right? When you look at it in the long run. I just, I don't know. I don't even know what to think of it. Hmm. Hmm. Like the I'm watching the slow like. He has it like in front of him, but never tucks it into his body. Which yeah, isn't that he like, never he never tucks it. Isn't that a part of the thing? Like you have to tuck it. I don't think that's like tuck. I think it's like a football move, which can constitute a lot of things. Huh. It's really interesting. Um, looking at it in slow mo, it looks more like a fumble. But if you look at that in full speed, you could imagine that's an incomplete pass. Yeah, let me let me watch it one more time. Yeah. That's because, it's, like... It's just so close. Yeah, he, like, the cornerback has his, like, hand inside his, like... Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's interesting. Um, I guess it, it's similar to... That's just a very odd situation. It's, like, rare. It's so, it's, it's so gray area. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Guys, Nick FaceTime failed this... We're calling him back. Hello, Nick. Hello. I can. T- we're we're still going, so you can just. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Me and Brian. Me and Brian disconnected. Um. So I really don't know what to make of it. I'd love to hear what you guys uh, have to say about that. Yeah. Um. So I guess that wraps up our podcast. Yeah. Uh. Going off, I guess I'll get, give my spiel. Um. This is the holidays. I hope you guys had a happy Christmas. Uh. Or Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. And happy New Year's. Me and Brian are recording this about two hours before the ball drops. So, yeah. Um, happy New Year's I to all that are listening. I think the sport universe has grown a lot in 2019, and it's it's pretty much all thanks to Brian. I mean, Brian has done a lot of hard work, so he deserves all the credit. Well, he's 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 really built the sport universe into what it is, and it wouldn't be what it is without him. Thank um, you. beyond that, you know, I've been pretty lazy as of lately. I've been really enjoying my time off from school. Haven't done much. I'm playing a lot of 2K. Um, yeah, my life's been pretty kind of crazy this past couple of weeks, this last week or so. But other than that, you know, it's been kind of chills. I don't know. It's been good. Um, outside of that, I just wanted to thank you guys for listening. Um, you guys should definitely go check out our Instagram. We're doing a lot of good stuff, a lot of good content out on there. I'm thinking about doing a playoff video at some point. I think I want to do that. I think we put that into like a visual. That would be pretty cool. And then post it on Instagram. So look out for that. Um, so if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, I guess this is only going to be on Apple and Spotify now. Yeah. So you could just you can comment it on YouTube or, or not on YouTube on our Instagram. Um, you can con you can contact me on my Instagram at nick You can contact me on my email at nicholas ten at yahoo dot com, or you can contact me on Twitter at nick horvath sixty one. Um, I'd love to hear what you guys think. I think t- this week was a really good week in terms of content. A lot of interesting stuff going on. Playoffs, uh, firings, you know, trade rumors. All it's got a, it's got a good, really good mix right now. So this is a really fun time for us. Um, so I hope you guys are enjoying this the sports mania, the sports chaos that's going on as well as we are. And uh, thank you for listening. I'm going to hand it over to Brian. Um, yes. Uh, like Nick said, all happy holidays to everyone. Um, it is exactly two hours and 17 minutes till the ball drops. Well, at least where we are. Um, what else did I want to say? Uh, 2019 has been an interesting year for the sport universe, like Nick said. Um, we've had some successes, some growing pains. Um, there's been a lot of other people involved besides me. Nick was one of the people from the beginning that has has stuck with it. There are a lot of people that I called on to try and help me, but Nick was there, so thank you, Nick. Um, uh, there's been a lot of different phases that we've gone through, but I think we've figured out where we want to go with it. Um, we're obviously not at any point where we want to stop, and hopefully we keep growing. Um, but other than that, um, we'll be back next week with another podcast. This one was a little late. I was sick. Um, you're trying to figure out timing and everything so i we're still gonna do sundays but this one was just a little late 
Uh, let us know what you thought about the podcast. You can DM us. I don't, there might be a way for you to comment somewhere on some podcast. What, I don't know how you listen to it, but you could do that. I'm sure you're not going to comment anyway, but it'd be nice if you did. Um, check out our videos on YouTube. Um, what, what, what did I post? Um, Russell Wilson video. There's a Bills video. A lot of the posts coming up are going to be football related, so keep an eye out for that. If you have any interest writing for us, editing videos, graphic design, anything of that sort, contact us at thesportuniverse2019 at gmail.com. And other than that, thanks for listening. Bye.